I'm going to fuck up this felt impression of a llama for a while to get some aggression out. Hello, and welcome to Story Juice. Back to Story Juice. You just cut me off. I did. (laughs) If you want, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and maybe YouTube. (laughs) And you can um, give us prompts to write our stories on. Um, We do it weekly, so chances are... Hence, I mean, if you say something, we're probably going to do it. (laughs) Because we uh, have little imagination. I mean... You have little... I mean... No, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. You can influence the future. Yeah. No, I love it. It's great. I love it. Influence the future. Change. It's like... Just do it. (laughs) Just give us a prompt. Your shitty idea will make a shitty story. You'll listen to it and you'll be like, oh. It's crazy. And then you can show your friends and be like, I made that guy say that. Well, you you know, I'm going to write it still, but you know... Yeah, he's going to make me say that. Yeah. I made that guy make that guy say that. <laughs> I mean, you could be as weird as you want with a prompt. Obviously, you know what? Yeah, just be as weird as you want. Yeah, we might, like, not do it if you're... No, we're definitely 100% doing it, no matter what. I mean... I almost said that there'd be some restrictions on it, but then I realized, like, I mean, our ability to write the story however... You know what? Out. Yeah, free state... <laughs> Cause like, like oh, write about Hitler. Oh, you know, I'm just gonna be like, we've already people have done that, and it's fine. So yeah, it's cool. We will write your Hitler story. <laughs> send it in. All right. Um, today's prompt. What is today's prompt? Oh, home invasion. Home invasion. Very different <laughs> from the abduction genre we were doing before. Yeah. I'm sure it won't bear any similarities to that story. Okay, I'm going to read Salem's piece on the the uh, home invasion genre is called Milky Way is not a good title for this. So there's a little uh, backstory to that. I'm really bad at titling things, and even worse about titling things involving space for some reason. Like I wrote a poem, and it was about space, and I titled it, um, I went to space and all I got was this lousy title. <laughs> Let me shut this dog up. One moment. <laughs> Jack wiped his brow, flinging beads of sweat into the dirt. The cow twitched its tail and bellowed a moo in his direction. He rubbed its side and the tail calmed down. The bucket was almost full. His son knocked on the barn door behind him. Pa, Mom says she's locking up for the night. Okay. He lifted the bucket, rubbed the cow again. He pushed it towards its pin. His son eyed the bucket. Aw, Pa, you don't milk the whole herd by hand today, today, did you? Jack Jr. took the bucket from him. He cracked his hair back and latched the cow's pin, listening for the satisfying click of the lock. Machine's still busted and we don't have the money to fix it. He took the bucket back. You'd know, you'd know... 
that if you ever stayed more than a week, you'd know. <laughs> <laughs> the father was having an aneurysm. <laughs> His son said nothing. He poured the bucket into the storage vat. Some spilled and dripped on his feet, tainting the muddy brown of his shoes with creamy white. Pa shook the bucket to get the last drops out. He hung it up on the wall and slapped his hands together, smacking the dust off. Let's go. He closed the barn doors and pulled down the latch. Jack Jr. kicked at the dirt. Jack shook his head. It... It wasn't Jack Jr.'s fault he wasn't around. It was just the way of things. Jack had grown up working the farm for with his father, and his father had grown up learning from his father. But the age of sons and fathers had passed. Jack Jr. had a degree in communications. He was doing important work at a firm. Jack Jr. came to visit when it pleased him and when he needed to, or when he needed money, but since the farm had been hemorrhaging money for a couple months he had been by less and less he loved his son but damn he made his mother worry jack jr felt that his dad was too hard on him he really was doing important work even if his father didn't see the importance in urban politics because he had lived in a farm his whole life he had left but he had never made any big point of staying he had learned how to milk a cow but he really really hated it Milking a cow sucked. Milking a cow with a machine still sucked. Birthing cows was a whole different suck. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Jack led the way to the house. They ate in silence and the sun set around them. The white paneling of the house was plastered with pink and orange and then shadow. The lights slowly flickered off one by one. Voices spoke to each other and in the pasture and the barn the cows went to sleep. The farm was dark. The farm was silent. In the distance, the city flickered like a candle in the wind, its sound never quite reaching them, but its airplanes fly flying slowly overhead. Jack Jr. couldn't sleep in the silence. The cool night air and the smell of dirt and manure could have developed into a sense of nostalgia for him, but instead it became an abyss that he had barely clawed out of. It was a chasm of nothing that happened. Not even the snoring of his father. Not the creaking of the porch swing. Nothing. He lay in his bed staring at the ceiling of his attic bedroom, tracing the slant of it with the vague moonlight of the window. He had been fired yesterday. Five years of working his ass off, and one drug test came back positive. It wasn't like he operated machinery like his father. It was an office job with a dress shirt and a tie. The most dangerous thing he used was a stapler. The county had a hard stance on marijuana, though. He wasn't sure how he would tell his parents. Ma would be sorry. Pa would be furious about the pot. But they'd both be glad to have him back in the abyss. There was a big crack in the slant of the ceiling. He rolled over so he couldn't see it. That's when he saw the flying saucer. It was hovering outside above the pasture. He blinked. He rubbed his eyes. He pinched himself and did all the things you were supposed to do when you saw a flying saucer. But no, it was the real deal. A house-sized spaceship hovering 30 feet off the ground. As he watched it... As he watched it sucked up a cow. It was absurd in a way that he couldn't quite handle. He laughed and rolled over on the other side of the bed. 
That wall had a poster he had put up as a kid. As he watched a green light shone from the spaceship, that would be another cow. He sighed and got up. Somebody would have to deal with it. His father's old twenty-two rifle was still hung on the wall in the living room, lit across its dirty barrel by the alien light outside. He grabbed it and walked outside. Dew soaked the bottom of his jeans and the cool air hit his face. A cow looked at him as it was enveloped in light. It mooed apathetically. Moo. As it was sucked upwards, the saucer moved over. Above another cow, it followed its comrade. Pa better not give... Pa better... He's a grown man now, right? (laughs) (laughs) Pa better not give me any shit about this. Jack Jr. ran over to the next cow and slapped it on its behind. Why did I lick? (laughs) (laughs) It looked dead-eyed in the face. Come on, you jackass. Get moving. The cow did not move. Jack Jr. sighed and threw a leg over it. He straddled the cow as the light enveloped them both. Riding the cow, he raised high into the ship above. What was that? His wife whispered. What? He groaned back. He had been having a great dream. I thought I heard a noise. She clutched at his arm. He waited. There was no noise. There's no noise, he said. There was a noise. There it is again, I mean. There it is again. She turned on the light. The two sat up in bed. He rubbed his smooth green hand across her scaly red skin. It was probably just the ship settling for the night, I'm sure. There was a loud crash. Billadorf Browdedin zapped her briggs. The third, <laughs> fuck me. That's <laughs> <laughs> hoping that one would get you. God, I almost made it through it. <clears throat> Billadorf Platterton Zapterbriggs, the third, reached under the bed for the bat he kept there. He had used to use it with their son before he had forsaken the Zapterbriggs name. He had raised his son, Billardorf Platterton Zapterbriggs, the fourth, to be a cow abductor, just like his father had been. But as soon as the kid matured into adulthood, he had gotten a job on a spaceship as a communications analyst. They hadn't played space baseball in years. But he kept the bat under his bed, partly as a memento, and partly because a firing laser disruptor... Fuck me. (laughs) But he kept the bat under his bed. Partly as a memento, and partly because firing a laser disruptor inside an atmosphere-tight spaceship was generally a bad idea. What are you do? Fuck me. <laughs> Fuck me, his wife asked. <laughs> what are you doing? His wife asked. I'm going to check it out, Mary. He creeped open the bedroom door and listened down the hall. The ship was making noises, and distantly he heard a cow mooing. I think I left the abductor on. Oh, well, go turn it off. Jack Jr. stared at the computer in front of him, uncertain how to operate it with its foreign symbols. In a couple seconds, another cow appeared from below. They were all being guided by robots toward a pin. One of the robots tugged at his pant leg, and he kicked it. Kink. It was small and walked on two feet with no knees. That is, until he had kicked it. It sat on its back, trying to get up. 
He felt bad, so he set it upright, and it continued to pull on his pant leg, mooing at him. Not now, Jack warned. He picked it up and put it on its back on the computer desk. It whirred at him dispassionately. Moo, it said. Moo, said an actual cow. Moo, Jack Jr. said. <laughs> the shift was very sleek on the inside and very well lit. He supposed he could take a moment to be impressed with it. After all, it meant that there was life on other planets. Well, at least life above this one. Still, they were taking his dad's cows. He heard a noise behind him. He turned around to see some sort of alien. It was about his size, with a smooth green skin, and was wearing a white tank top and boxer shorts with little stars on them. It was holding a bat. He raised the rifle. Look, man, I already called the police, the alien said. What? Called the pol- Fuck me. I called the police. They're on their way. You should get out of here. The alien pointed the bat at him. Oh, wait a minute. Are you, you speak English? Jack Jr. lowered the rifle at the ground. Oh, don't pretend you came up with it. The alien waved the bat. He looked at the cows and the robot on the table. Why'd the computer abduct you? I rode a cow up here. No, wait. Why, why are you abducting cows? Put them back. He pointed at the computer. The alien stepped forward with the bat and Jack Jr. raised the rifle again. Look, I'm supposed to take these cows. I didn't mean to do it how I did, but these are my cows. You're trespassing. Please leave. No. No, you're the one above my farm. Look at the tags on those cows. I grew up learning how to milk those cows. They're my father's pride and joy. We're a struggling farm. You're going to put them back. No, let's not do anything we might regret. Let's not. Beeladorf Bradleton Zapterbriggs III sighed. Jack Jr. kept the rifle on him as he walked slowly to the computer, pressed a couple keys, and stepped back. The robot suddenly whirred, and the cow that was rising from the ground ascended back. The robots urged the cows back out the entrance. When all the cows were back, Jack Jr. picked up the robot that he had laid on the desk. And I'm taking this! He stepped into the light and descended to the ground. Bielodorf shut off the computer and closed the door. He went back to his room and told his wife what had happened. Well, what are we going to do? Mary asked. We're going to lose the ship. It's okay, honey. There are more farms. We can find more cows. Back on the ground, Jack Jr. watched as the flying saucer floated away. He smiled and petted a cow. It ignored him and went to sleep. He ran into the farmhouse and knocked on his father's door. Jack groaned and opened it groggily. What is it, boy? Pa, you'll never believe it. There was a flying saucer abducting all the cows. Jack's eyes went wide. He was now fully awake. What? Yeah, they were taking the whole herd. Jack nodded. The whole herd, he repeated. Yeah, but don't worry. I went up there and stopped them. Jack's face fell. You what? I took your rifle. I went up there and threatened the bastard. He put them all back. Jack Jr. held out his arms for the hug his father was sure to give him. Not bad for a communications degree, huh? I saved the farm after all. Jack pinched the bridge of his nose and sighed. Ugh, son. Junior, I made a deal with that alien. He was going to take the whole herd and I was going to collect insurance. Wait, what? He even fixed the milk machine for me. 
I was gonna save the farm, and if you'd know that, if you were ever around, you'd know that. Jack slammed the door in Jack Jr.'s face. Jack Jr. stood there dumbfounded. Distantly, the cows mooed in the pasture. <laughs> Sorry for like editing your thing throughout <laughs> it. I accident sort of. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. No, I like that whenever you uh, make a mistake, you're like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> I, mean, I guess that's probably a cue to where I'd like to cut it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely cut at least more than half of the fuck me's out. But um, <laughs> that was my favorite one yet. I love that. Oh, yeah? I, I, I liked writing it, too. I um, I don't know. I, I knew immediately Home Invasion I was going to visit the Mikey. Yeah, that was so fun to read. I thought he was waking up and like dreamed half of it when like the alien came, <laughs> but I was stupid because like the color changed. But I was like, I was just adjusted to it. I was like, oh, this color seems different, but it, it's it's him, right? Yeah, that was one thing I found difficult was like trying to get the um, make it obvious of what was going on and not like, oh, this is just the same character and he sounds weird. I need to put the um, cake in the fridge. Oh no! Be right back. Don't skate forward, skate forward. Introducing Sir Better Forward Skateboard, because Ford knows how to build trucks. Trucks that are built for tough. Oh yeah. yeah. And we are back. Um, yeah, you probably just heard our commercial break. Yeah. Or maybe there was literally no time at all between that and this. And you're a little confused. Alright, you ready for your round? <coughs> Mine does not have a title. It is titleless. Doesn't need one. So I'll just go right into it. After a drink of water. And a reposition of my seat. And stretch it out. Ugh, yeah. Cracking my neck a little. Massaging my voice box. Some uh, warm-up exercise in my throat. Oh, and there we go. The clock struck 1 a.m. on the wall. A male... Maybe 17 years old, in a black face mask, struck Mrs. Tucker down the hall. She cried out more in fear and astonishment than in pain. <laughs> she slumped down the hallway wall until she was almost sitting. I'll dry up, you silly billy bitch, yelled the masked boy. Another masked thug entered the hall. As the second masked man came through the door and clucked, Closed it behind him, a man and a young boy that were gagged and bound on a couch came in and out of view. Hello, Noah. Don't worry, I got her. She didn't get away from Teddy. The masked boy, referred to as Noah, took off his mask, revealing shaggy blonde hair and green eyes. Noah was a bit shorter than his counterpart, Teddy, and a bit less chuggy. Yes, Teddy. And she never would have had the chance to escape if you weren't ogling your ya her yamos. Hey, I was not. I lost the accent. <laughs> you tell you. Um, hello. Hey, I was not. It's okay, Teddy. Everything's fine now. But we need to move on with business. 
She's just not that into you. She could never be into you. You p bastards! You miserable... Oh, that was supposed to be like a louder noise. Fuck! Here. <laughs> Teddy punched Mrs. Tucker in the face, and she slumped against the wall in silence. You don't know that! You don't know that! cried Teddy. You did call her a bitch earlier, you know. Ah, think she'll remember that? Just, just help me out. Help me move this broad, will you? The two of them hefted Mrs. Tucker and carried her down the hall toe. Meanwhile, Wait, what? the to the hall toe. Uh, I think I'm together. Maybe <laughs> I fucking know. <clears throat> the two of them hefted Mrs. Tucker and carried her down the hall together. Meanwhile, upstairs a small middle-aged Shih Tzu was awakening from a midday nap. He was white, with black ears and black eyes and spots. He stretched his puppy-like paws and licked his feet. A loud thud had disturbed his sleep, but he wasn't in too much of a hurry to investigate. He lapped up some water from his bowl. I lost my spot. <laughs> he lapped up some water from his He lapped up some water from his bowl and then proceeded to wrestle it with his favorite llama llama toy. Some angry talking downstairs reminded him why he woke up, and the little dog finally trotted down the stairs and went through the main hallway. He detected voices coming from the living room through the hallway door, which is left ajar. Why are you doing this? What do you want from us? The father of the house pleaded through Pleaded, though trying to sound stern and strong for his family. Quiet, little piglet. None of you have to get hurt. But we aren't going to hurt them. Could you not? The little boy on the couch next to his father began to whimper. And could you not? I'm trying to focus here. <gasps> Whatever it is you're going to do to us, you don't have to. This isn't necessary. Oh, but he does, he does. Noah says that all people need to believe in good and evil again. What? What? Quiet, Teddy. I'm sorry for calling you a bitch earlier, by the way. This apology did not stop any tears. For the love of bloody! Noah was suddenly caught off guard by the father's leaping off the couch and darting across to the other side of the room near the mahogany television stand. He held his dukes up like Popeye the Sailor Man. His wrists were red from squirming his hands through the ropes that had bound them behind his back while he was on the couch. Now listen here, you little bastard, said the father as he reached one hand to the TV stand drawer. You think you can just come in here and tie my family and be my wife? You think you can just do whatever you want and there won't be any consequences? Well, I'll tell you what, buddy. I'll tell you that there will be consequences. There's going to be consequences. The father, the father's hand waded through the TV stand drawer. He was shaking with a mix of anger and fear, but the two wife-beating home invaders had not moved since the father arose. I'll tell you what, bucko, there will be heck and a half to pay for this. Consequences to pay, do you hear me? There's gonna be consequences! Holy fuck, just pull out the gun! 
the dad pulled out a gun from the drawer and wiggled it desperately at the two intruders like a hot dog. The two bad boys stared blankly where the gun from the drawer did not. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Noah took out. Noah took two out of five to the chest. Jesus Christ! Teddy cried. Noah looked down at his chest slowly and rather dramatically, but remained standing unwavering. Can't believe you keep a real gun in the TV cabinet. Right? What the fuck, man? You have a kid! It's time for you to go now. Noah sneered and the father began to fade from existence. I love it when he does that, said Teddy as he looked over at the mother who stared back at him. That single moment was like an entire lifetime to Teddy. He traveled deep into her eyes until he could see them both, himself and the mother-wife, standing in an embrace on the front of a ship like in that scene from my Titanic. Like in that scene from Titanic. <laughs> they held each other close and tenderly touched her stomach. They raised two twin boys on a big white house on a hill with a barn and farm animals that they, had, that they milk and chop their heads off of. They go to the beach on the weekends and to the carnival for birthdays. Teddy Jr. was a great shot with a rifle and became a professional marksman. Marksman. The other, Ted Lee, died from the flu one Christmas and nearly killed his mother with sadness. But they were able to find peace and remember Ted Lee the way he was when he was milking cows and chopping the heads off of things. Oh, what a wonderful life we've had, mother-wife, Teddy said, holding his wife's hand as they sat in rocking chairs on the porch, smiling contently. They watched the sun go down together. It was beautiful. The next day, Teddy and his wife woke up with their, <laughs> woke up to their son, Teddy Jr., knocking on their door. He was going to join the war. He was going to be an elite sniper. He told them not to worry because he was so good at shooting, he wouldn't even need to get close to a battle to win the war with his rifle. They worried every night anyway, but they were so proud of him it hurt. And he did win the war. Then he came home to bury his father. As he walked away from his father's grave, he heard a sound growing louder. Was it knocking? Could it really be... Oh, that's more of a... The judge thought his custom... The judge thought... The judge... His custom mahogany gavel to shake Teddy out of his days. Mr. Teddy, I will ask you once again, what exactly happened that day after your partner was shot on the chest? Oh yeah, the murders. Teddy thought back as he took in his new surroundings. But no sooner had Teddy accepted his courtroom surroundings than had he been booked and slammed into his prison cell. Prison cell. <laughs> Slam. Teddy did not weep. Not for his friend Noah. Not even for his bleak-looking future in prison. Teddy was very good at glazing over and passing time in his mind, but his cellmate looked at him hornily, and not with the eyes of as deep as the mother-wife's. Get away, you twat, said Teddy calmly. Get away, you twat, said Teddy calmly. Quiet, you. You be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> the cellmate growled and flexed his neck as he lunged at Teddy who was corned. Cornered. <laughs> but just as he lunged, he disappeared in half a moment. I love it when that happens, Teddy mused. I know you do, said Noah. Alright. <laughs> Not corned, that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my voice is uh, really bad today. Sorry about that.
Oh, no, it's okay. I'm sorry about your voice. <laughs> Mine was hurting me worse last time from allergies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a little no. uncertain Is about it. Is that hard to follow? Uh, I was a little <laughs> uncertain about it. It might be... Does Noah have, like, magic powers? Yeah, essentially. Um, it might be hard to follow since your voices sounded a little bit similar, but it's ironic, or not ironic, but it's, it's kind of funny because essentially... There was only... Teddy was the only real one. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Noah was just kind of like... Either not real or inside... It could be real inside Teddy's brain. That's why they kept call, this like referring to only one of them. I don't know why I did that in the story. It's like doesn't show that well over a <laughs> podcast. But um, the idea is that he, he was the only one there. It was like, oh, he's delusional. But also he does have superpowers because he can make him disappear. Or you could be like, oh, maybe he just imagined that he made him disappear. But he kind of just has like an imagination that drifts off, which is why he had an entire life in that one moment. Okay. And then um, he can change change reality. He basically just doesn't give a shit. And he has like a split personality at the same time. Okay. That does shit. I don't know. I'm getting it more now. I don't know. I've been watching... Uh, if I it's drawn from like a few different things I wasn't straight up trying to plagiarize but I probably unintentionally did I, I like the movie um, Funny Games which is a home invasion movie where two I don't think they were British but in my brain they seem like they were they're like two rich kids that home invaded a family and then at the end there's kind of a weird twist that like breaks reality more than you would think it was like not just a home invasion movie at the very end spoiler um, and then also split with the split personality guy that if he believes he's a superhero, he is anyway. All right. Well, also I brought the dog in and just totally <laughs> back to the dog. The dog. I liked the little dog. Uh, the original ending was going to be that they were going to like both be demons that were going to like torture the family just for the sake of bringing evil to the world. Um, and the dog was going to come in and Teddy was, it was like, the dog was going to come in like he was going to save the day. And like the dog leaped at them and Teddy was like, oh shit, I love dogs. (laughs) 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 And they would just have a dog. Yeah, it's stupid. We're going to do an hour episode now. Oh yeah, I forgot. We're going to take an hour, come up with a prompt. Well, actually we need to come up with a prompt before we let go. What's the, uh, what's the prompt going to be? What's a prompt? Um, I did like what you did with the dog thing. Really? Yeah. Like, what about a um, a story from the point of view of something you wouldn't expect, like a dog, or like maybe we should just make focus it on a, an animal. You could be like a non-human perspective story. Non-human perspective story. All right. I like it. See you in an hour. See you in an hour. I might need like a 10 minute think about what I'm going to write session because I blow a lot of my writing time thinking. But yeah. Hour and 10 minutes. (laughs) Hour. Exactly. See you then. Welcome back to Story Juice. We just did our one hour plus a few minutes writing on the prompt from the perspective of a non-human. Yeah. And I think we both did dog. Yeah. Which is good. 
because we both were thinking of dogs. Um, you read first last time. Do you want me to read first? Yeah, you can read first this time. All right. So I'm going to read your story, Sammy the Shih Tzu, which uh, might be loosely based off of your own Shih Tzu, <laughs> Sammy, I imagine. Loosely. Very loose. All right, here we go. Ding dong, ding dong. It's 1 a.m. I know this because I am a dog, and dogs know a lot of things naturally, like when it's going to rain or when someone is sick. The list goes on and on, but most people would find the fact that we can see people who have passed out on as passed on. The list goes on and on, but most people would find the fact that we can see people who have passed on, as well as angels and demons as they bounce between the living realm on Earth and various other realms. To be honest, anything can get boring when it's a natural part of your everyday life. My mouth is very dry, so I drink some water from my bowl. My intuition tells me something is going on downstairs, which is probably why I woke up at this unholy hour. I'm sure that whatever it is can wait, though. Nothing interesting ever happens in this house. I'm going to fuck up this felt impression. I'm going to fuck up this felt impression of a llama for a while to get some aggression out. Some people talking loudly draws me downstairs. I don't recognize one of these voices, and things sound intense. I make my way down the stairs and see a strange, pudgy man dragging the body of Ball Snatcher. I named the female homeowner Ball Snatcher. Any way you want to take that is accurate. The intruding man mumbles to himself as he kidnaps Ball Snatcher's limp body and drags her into the living room. Where I catch a glimpse of loud man and shit fart sitting on that couch under duress. I guess interesting things do happen here. In order to avoid alerting the pudgy man, I slowly creep to the door and poke my head in. I watch as loud man launches from the couch and proceeds to be the loud stupid man that he is. It's at this moment I realize the pudgy man is not alone. As Loud Man raises his gun at Pudgy Man, I see a demon join our plane, plane of existence and step in front of the line of fire. He is very small for a demon, but very vile. He has a long mouth like a crocodile and pointed ears like a basset hound. That's not to say that basset hounds are vile. I know some basset hounds that happen to be very hot, but I would like... I would not like to fuck a basset hound that had a mouth of a crocodile and the wings of a bat. Anyway, when Loud Man shoots his loud gun, the demon protects his human companion. I can't believe my eyes when I see Loud Man vanish from existence with a wave of the crocodilian gargoyle. The demon also disappears, but I don't get the sense that it has actually left. I believe that the demon resides inside the mind of this human in order to order to hide. And it has good reason to. I leap into action, crossing into the living room. Oh shit, it's a dog! Teddy cried in surprise. Meanwhile in heaven, 
God sits at his desk pondering some serious shit that is too deep for you to handle right now. A young human man comes through his door, main doors. Fuck, God thinks and cleans off his desk. Hello, Balaam, God says to the man who cringes a bit. What can I do for you? God asks. The man looks at him and thinks deeply. deeply. I, you know, I don't really know, honestly. Well, that was fucking pointless, thinks God as the man exits the way he came. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. God's room begins to blink a red and a monitor comes down out of the ceiling. What's this? God exclaims. Demons causing havoc again? Back on Earth. Oh shit, it's a dog! I really love dogs! You are in violation of order 777667766667. You have the right to state your intentions briefly before you are to be detained for early judgment. Teddy's face rippled and warped into the face of the long-mouthed, pointy-eared demon that was as unfuckable as other ever. You bleeding watchdogs! Watch your ass, Mr. Demon. This man that I have just vanquished so unjustly in your opinion was going to shoot up his place of work tomorrow. You are going to take me away for that when otherwise several of the human lives you care for so dearly would have been taken. You expect me to believe you did this for the good of mankind? Of course not! But I'm willing to look at both sides of things. And I think you are too. Or I will already be gone. Am I right? Maybe we could help each other. Back in heaven, God reads the monitor in front of him with a concerned look. It seems that some demonic activity has been making human men disappear. And all of the men have disappeared after falling in love with the same single mother. What can this mean? I am going to have to investigate. There's only one way to find out why men that date this woman go missing. I'm going to have to go undercover. I guess it's time for... The Second Coming. God put on his favorite custom-made shoes and descended to Earth. Radically. The end? I liked your uh, tie into the last story. And right. other things. <laughs> yeah. did, you say, did you say shoes at the end? Did I write shoes or shades? You wrote shades, I might have said shoes. <laughs> That's totally fine. He <laughs> <laughs> put on his custom made shoes. Which. <laughs> in tap dances way to earth. Was it? It was. Might it, was it hard to understand what was happening at the end? Because it was kind of rushed. Um. Because the idea was supposed to be that it's implied that the demon and the dog came to an agreement, and like the dog would just have the demon erase any men that Ball Snatcher married or had huh. any interest in. Because <laughs> he did not. I should have made it more apparent that he was okay with the guy being erased instead of it. It wasn't implied heavily enough that he was okay with that. But now you know because I said it. Huh. And now we all know. Is this the end? Who knows? Oh, man. <laughs> this could be a whole series. <laughs> I, I really liked the dog's point of view. Especially calling people like Ball Snatcher and uh, Loud Man. 
I just like that it validates the fact that I wrote the dog and the last one was like, fuck it. There's no reason, there's like no reason for the dog to be there, but now the dog explained what happened after. So like, yeah, it, it doesn't, it's not that cool. Anyway. <laughs> Sammy. Sammy, stop barking. We already finished your story, Sammy. Now I'm going to read. Now I am. I gotta turn the game back up. I turned it down because your voices were coming. Because out. my voice is loud. Jesus. My voice is really loud. We're gonna have to edit that one later. Sammy. Sammy, come here. Okay. Here we go. Susan goes shopping. Who's a good boy? Oh, buddy, who's a good boy? You're a good boy. You're a good boy. You're my good boy. Oh, you're the best boy. You're going to be- behave while I'm gone, aren't you? Oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're such a good boy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good boy. <laughs> Those are your last words to me before you die. You step outside towards the... You want to go for a rides? And that led to dog parks and groomers in the bed. I stare at the wood paneling around the door. Your immediate smell fades, but your presence lingers on your thighs. Thanks. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay. Um, your presence lingers on your things. Strongest in your underwear and your shoes. I don't know why you wear these, but I take them out and try to remind myself of your scent. Tearing into your shoes feels good on my teeth and quenches my sadness. Your last words to me were to tell me to be a good boy. But what is a good boy? I have no moral guidance but for the fragile one you have instilled in me. It is wrong to get into the mystery bin. But how is that so when the mystery bin can sometimes hold such delicious things? It is the it is it is wrong to get into the do you want a treat box but not when you give me one for such mundane tasks you are good and i know that you are the ultimate good though my friend jackson tells me his master is the ultimate good jackson is a much smaller than me but much meaner <laughs> i just turned to an italian dog <laughs> <laughs> Jackson is a much smaller than me. Okay. After I tear into your shoes, I smell the mystery bin. I know it is wrong, but I do not know why, so I tear into it anyways. There are bits of plastic that smell like your favorite chips and the parts of the bananas that you do not bother to eat. I finish them for you, to remember you by. I don't know why I have to be the one to carry on your legacy. Were it the other way around, I am sure you would build me a monument, though I do not, do not know if I deserve that. Gracie runs upstairs, and I eye her down. What is it? She hisses. I like Gracie, but Gracie pretends not to like me. Most of the time when I smell her strange, small body, Gracie assures me she is not a dog, but I think she's just as good. Susan died. She went outside. She died, I cry. I lay down and put my paws over my face. Gracie jumps onto the counter and licks her tail for a moment. 
I look up at her, knowing you would yell at her if you were still alive. When she finishes, she says, She's not dead. She goes, she does this every day. Every day, I think back. And yeah, she's probably right. But why? Gracie sniffs. Nobody knows. She paws at the cake you left on the counter, lifting the cloth you used to cover it. After a big sniff, she gags and ignores it. (coughs) Nobody knows why Susan leaves every day. Not the spiders, not the goldfish, not the rat. She looks at me. And not you. I stand up. But you can see out the windows. Why not go look out for her? Because... Gracie jumps down from the counter and walks gracefully out of the kitchen. I don't care. I don't care. I am left alone in the kitchen amongst the trash I have scattered. If you come back, then you'll yell at me and I'll feel so sad, but I'll be happy to see you again. I don't know how much I can trust Gracie, though, so I decide I will ask the others. The rat is easiest to find. He lives in the basement in his hole. I know that you don't like the rat, but I also know that you don't know about the rat. (laughs) I would normally not associate with animals you don't like, but the rat is very polite and he smells very good. I share some of my food with him. Chester, I bark. Chester peeks out of his hole. Oh, hello, chomp. How were you this morning? He scurries out. Say, Gracie isn't about, is she? She's upstairs, looking out the window, but not looking for Susan. I tear up for a second. Hey, Chester, Susan isn't dead, is she? Dead? No, why would she be dead? She went outside. She does it every day. Oh, yeah. I lick Chester. He scampers back in the hole, and I remember that he does not like that. Please, no more, champ. I'm not fond of that. Anyways, what can I do for you? I try to think back. Oh, yeah. Do you know when she's coming back? Chester shrugs. He sniffs the air and rubs his paws. You got into the trash? I nod. Gee, I don't know, but she's normally gone long enough for me to take a look at that. Say, will you bark if you see Gracie around while I'm out? Sure thing. I go to lick Chester, but he backs up and I remember, Oh, sorry. I decide to ask the goldfish next, so I go to the tank. They swim back and forth, back and forth, opening and closing their mouths, eternally staring. They see me, of course, and all say, Hello. Hello. Hello, I say. I lick the tank. They swarm around. Food? Do you have food? I think we need food. They say in unison. I look up at the top of the tank where their food is balanced. Once I ate a whole can of it, and you were so angry. I thought for sure you wouldn't let me snuggle with you that night, but you did. I don't think I can get you food, I say. Ooh, they say. They swim back and forth and look at me. Hello, they all say. Hello, I say. I lick the tank. They swarm around. My head spins. Wait, didn't we already say that? Food? Do you have food? I think we need food. (laughs) They say in unison, I remember that these goldfish are bad for conversation. I leave them. The spiders live in the laundry room behind the dryer. 
You really don't like the spiders, and even I am scared of them. Still, if it means seeing you again, I'll make the journey. The spiders see me when I come in and skitter under the dryer. I shudder. Why have you come, Murray one? Their leader says. I, I, I step out of the laundry room. I pant and they laugh. <laughs> Gracie purrs behind me and I jump. Looking for something? She asks. I told you the spiders didn't know. Didn't know? What don't we know? The spiders hiss. I whimper. <laughs> when Susan will return, I say. You don't know, do you? The spiders laugh. Susan, Susan, Susan. The little doggy misses is Susan. What makes you think she's coming back? My tail goes between my legs. I am prepared to run away. Suddenly, Gracie pushes by. She jumps on top of the dryer and motions for me to step inside. I do, and the spiders emerge. I need to run. I must run. But if I run, will I ever see you again? Do you know if Susan will be back? I ask. The spiders cackle. We do, but why should we tell you? Gracie jumps down. The spiders flee, all but for one that she pins down. She bares her teeth. Why don't you tell him what you know? Please, please let me go, the spider begs. I bark. I don't want to get hurt, even if it is scary. I don't want it to get hurt, even if it is scary. What do you know? Gracie demands. Susan gets home every day at the same time, but... But what? Today is Saturday. She shouldn't have left so early. We don't know what she's doing. Gracie releases the spider and it screams as it slides under the dryer. I let me ears go limp and I walk out of the room so the spiders really didn't know. I walk back to the door and stare at it. You're out there somewhere and there's no way of knowing if you'll come back. Gracie walks by me and says, Sorry. I say nothing but I see her. <clears throat> I see her going to the kitchen. I let out a bark. I hear Chester scamper for a hiding spot. I stare at the door for years and years. After a while, I get sleepy. Light from the window shines down on the spot I am at, and I lay in it. My eyes droop, and I go to sleep. I'm in a field with you, and we are running. You can understand everything I say. Why do you always go? I ask, and you promise to tell me if I catch you. I chase what you are so fast. Finally, when I almost do... I wake up. The door clicks. I stand up. What is going on? Who is it? It's you. Oh my gosh, it's you. You're home, and you're so excited to see me. You rub my ears and say, Were you a good boy? Oh, were you a good boy? Oh, somebody was such a good boy. And then you see the trash, and I run for it. That was fucking adorable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. You did a good job of doing all the voices. Thanks. I felt like I I liked the voices I picked. It was hard to remember what the cat sounded like when I came back, and I was like, shit. Yeah. But, uh, like, hopefully the cat's voice was loud enough, because I was kind of, like, quiet on that one. Cat. And I kept wanting to laugh, because I like, kept seeing Sammy, like, looking at me as I'm reading, and I kept feeling like, he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking Who's about. Who's a good boy, Sammy? He's a good boy. 
Let's take a picture of him. Take a picture of him not caring. For pictures of Sammy, go to Shih Tzu Posting on YouTube. <laughs> that Shih Tzu Posting. <laughs> There's Shih Tzus. There was one Shih Tzu on there, my Shih Tzu. If you don't know how to spell Shih Tzu, it's okay, neither does he. Yeah. Yeah, I love both your stories today were like the best of all time. Oh, thanks. I like your um, collaboration of story. Thanks. Yeah. I really like your dog perspective. Like, I would read a lot of that dog perspective. Like a, like a dog that's like his, he's like a watchdog for the universe. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the idea. Yeah. Now what about, you do that for the cows in my first story. <laughs> From cows' perspective, you're saying cows and they're just oh, like, man, oh man, yeah, oh no, I'm, I'm going up in the sky. <laughs> At some point, just like every story will be one of the old stories from like a different things perspective. Um, I am a tree. I'm a ring. <laughs> I'm gonna make everyone say no. Oh yeah, we were gonna talk about you and possibly me and what makes us right. Oh yeah. What makes you right, Salem? What, what makes, makes me? you tick? What makes you ding? Dong, ding. Well, I like to be creative. I'm uh, terrible at drawing and painting and all that jazz. So uh, this works out. And uh, I don't know, I like it. I've taken a lot of creative writing classes. I like poetry, short stories. Novels are complex and complicated, which are two words that mean the same thing, so I don't know why I said them both. <laughs> what about you? I don't know. I like the, I like the challenge of um, trying to make something unexpected. Just because, um, I mean, I don't read that much, but like, I get the idea that most stories have been done. So it's kind of like, it's hard to do something. Obviously, it's hard to do anything good. <laughs> but, but it's like, like when we started reading Little Sonic. Little, can I say that <laughs> we read Little Sonic? <laughs> we, we've been reading some. Uh fan fiction yeah and doing voices we've been reading the little sonic fan fiction uh to... if you're over 18 check it out it's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> and just like because when i read that i was completely i guess I, I heard about it before i read it but hearing it someone read it and then also reading it it would just like surprise me with how stupid it was um but even that like even the surprise of that was like refreshing <laughs> if that makes anything obviously it got kind of repetitive after a few but yeah. like the idea of it just being ridiculous and being like and that's kind of like what i enjoy about reading each other's stories we don't know what's happening and we have to make these voices up yeah we just have to like pretend that we know what's going on i guess i don't know and there's also that um we are trying to get the other person to have that feeling yeah, that's what I was going to say next, is that uh, we both kind of know what the other person might find to be either grotesque or ironic <laughs> or, like, referential to something else that we've mentioned in here or somewhere else, which uh, probably doesn't carry over great all the time if it's something we haven't explained, but <laughs> <laughs> but it, it makes it easier to write. It's easier to write if I'm like, oh, this has some kind of reference value to it, and it gets... Like it gets the story done because if I'm just if I'm making up everything, it's boring. And I think that's even what real writers do. Not that you're not a real writer. I don't think of myself as a real writer because I suck. Um, I don't know where the line is of re real writing and fake writing. I mean, 
if you write something down, you're writing it, and you're a writer. You're maybe not a good writer. I guess I should say successful. So like, Okay, well, I don't so know if I'm successful either. Most of the fiction writers I read, which, again, isn't that many, but I've noticed that they'll like reference um, Shakespeare or Dickens and, like, all the... Or, like, um, who's the guy that has a big bell and he comes out and it's like, boom, boom, boom. Santa? <laughs> no, the guy that he wrote, writes this mystery things. Um, oh, he's got a big nose and a shadow comes out on the TV when he's on the TV. You talking about Santa still? No. Um, he wrote Psycho, I think, or made it a movie. Um, Hitchcock. Hitchcock, yeah. Yeah, so like, they'll like reference people that make things like that to kind of like highlight and give you a taste of like what they're doing. And. I think we do that in the same way, except it's just like I don't read. I'm not that tasteful with what I read. So like when I'm referencing things, or well, it's definitely one of the most important things about writing is reading. That's something I've heard and also experienced. Yeah, I imagine like I could write way better if I had more books under my belt. So I'm trying to read more. Yeah, like the more you know, the more you can write. Go figure. Yeah. Um, it's not as if like a good story would come from somebody that just had a totally blank slate in their mind. Cause like in my mind, I used to think, Oh, origin originality, you know, you need a blank slate, but in a way you kind of need elements to work with. Did you ever like write anything as a kid? And then you're like, well, like when you were a kid, you're like, Oh man, this is fantastic. Like I got like solid 10 pages. That's 10 chapters right there. And you're like, oh, this is gold, and you, you hit save in that document, <laughs> and then, like, now you go back, and you're like, oh. That was bad? That was bad. Yeah, completely. In fact, um, my big thing as a kid was wanting to draw comic books and write the comic books, and the first comic book I think I did was called Bounder, and this is a perfect example of not having any knowledge or, like, intelligence. <laughs> I was like, oh, his, his name is Bounder because he's literally a circle with a spring under him and his he moves by bounding. He, and that's just because, like, oh, I can draw a circle and I can put hands, Mickey Mouse hands and arms on him. And because, uh, like, I like Sonic. I'm like, oh, what does Sonic do? He runs really fast. Like, Bounder's thing is like, oh, he bounds. <laughs> um, and then I actually did start drawing Sonic after that and trying to make Sonic stuff. Not Sonic fan fiction. <laughs> I mean, it kind of was. <laughs> yeah, you, technically it is. If you are not the original Sonic artist, then... Yeah. No, mine was completely original Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that the Bounder seems like a... It's a strong name. <laughs> bounder, he bounds. Bounder. You don't need to know much more. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty conceited, too. Like, I thought everything was good. But, I mean, I guess that's just part of being a kid... And people grew out of it at different speeds. I feel like it took me too long. I remember drawing, this is maybe irrelevant, but I remember drawing mazes and thinking, oh, people would pay money for this. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> oh, hold on, Cassie's calling. Hey, Cassie, what's up? Cassie, you're calling into our podcast. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> oh, you're our first caller. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're not on speaker. What's up? Ready? Where were we? Um, he bounds. <laughs> yeah, he bounds because he's got a he's got a spring. I don't even know why I added the spring. He's a bouncing ball, and I added a spring to his butt. 
Well, that would like take away all of his rolling ability too. Like, yeah, he's not roller; he's bounder. Is this making sense? Um. Um, what's the oldest thing you can remember making? Oh, I try to do like superhero stories, and uh, I would be like, "Oh yeah, first chapter, biggest font I can make." Big chapter one, origins of this cool superhero, and then uh, skip a page, and then I write, oh yeah, and the, the the superhero he got his powers this way, and he's really cool, and he beats all the bad guys. That's a solid. That's the end of chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds solid. I am going to turn the air on. Hold that thought. I am sweating my ass off. But it wasn't very good. Um. I can't think of the first thing I made that I enjoyed. Probably first thing I made that I like. Is that gonna be loud? Um, let's test it. Let's test to see if this we can hear this. That is some thick white noise. <laughs> anyway. Um, I remember Salem World. Tell us about oh, that. Oh yeah, let's let's not talk about that. <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't know. I made a bunch of dumb things in high school just because it's like it's it's fun being creative in high school, I guess. I was big on the zombie things, which was overdone even back then. Let alone now, but I still feel like I could do it better. In my head, I could do it better, not in reality. Oh, you think you could do it better? Like, I feel like my... Like, if you had a week to write a zombie story, <laughs> you think you could do a good zombie story? I feel like if I fleshed out my imagination um, to its fullest potential, it would be better than what some people have fleshed out to their fullest potential. That sounds really narcissistic, but I feel like I, I could make something good there. Yeah. So maybe one day. Not, not next week? No. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about that. What do you think you want to do for next week? Zombies. You do? <laughs> I want to make that the week-long one. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were saying you didn't want to do that. I, I kind of do want to do that, actually. Yeah, let's do a zombie story. Um, they invade a home. <laughs> and um. the dog watches. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be fun. Zombie home invasion from dog's perspective. Yeah. That prompt exact. You cannot deviate at all. All right. Also, don't forget to suggest prompts in either in the comments on whatever you're listening to this to. Listening, listening, oh my God. listening to this on or on Facebook, Twitter, or, you know, fucking look us up, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and if you loved or hated this story, these stories... Tell us. Tell us why. Tell us politely. Tell us to oh. get a life. <laughs> what? Tell us to get a life. Yeah, we will definitely get on that. And uh, look out for next episode. Zombies. Zombies. Bye. 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 Bye